And mark well me words, mateys. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> Ye come seeking adventure and salty old pirates, eh? Sure, you've come to the proper place. But keep a weather eye open, mates, and hold on tight. With both hands, if you please. There be squalls ahead. And Davy Jones waiting for them what don't obey. So I was going to start the show this week with a lot of, you know, a vast and yar and arg and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, you recently told me, Sean, that I usually come in a little hot on the mic when the show starts. So I, I didn't want to blow out the speakers uh, of everybody listening on the show. So I'm going to I'm going to put the, the pirate speak away for now. Thank um, God. <laughs> but welcome, everyone, to the George Sanders show. It is our pirate episode. Um we got Pirates. we got we got here in a roundabout way uh <laughs> here's the deal Jacques Rivette's out one is coming to Seattle soon uh today in fact right now it is on I don't count that I count the full Monty as it were <laughs> All right. well parts one and two are airing right now that's right as we speak uh it's really annoying let's 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 start with a digression shall we why not so, if anybody listened to the last show, which probably didn't happen, but at the end of the show, we, we discussed what was going to happen, you know, why we were going to do this show. Out One is coming, and it's, you know, 13 and a half hour cut, um, all in one sitting kind of thing, uh, at the SIF Cinema in Seattle. And uh, you and I were both very excited about this. Uh, yes. It's, it, we called it, I think, the cinematic event of the year in Seattle so far. Yes, and uh, well, in two weeks into the year. Hey, you know, what are you going to do? It's that or The Revenant, my friend. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's definitely not The Revenant. It's so. definitely not The Revenant. So anyway, I bought my ticket in advance uh, online. I took vacation because it was going to show on a day that I normally work. Uh, had it all booked. I had it set. Even on my work calendar, I had a little comment in the Excel field that said out one. Uh, I was very excited. What happens, but a week ago, I get an email from SIF saying, unfortunately, we cannot uh, honor this show, uh, this date. We've moved it 
not only have we moved dates to a day that I uh, also was scheduled to work, and now it's far too late for me to request vacation, uh, but they moved it to their uh, kind of dumpier theater um, where you wouldn't really want to be sitting down for 13 hours. Um, yeah, it's the least comfortable auditorium in Seattle. Yeah, uh, the the film center. So I, I, I got, I'm, I'm a little peeved. I was a little burned by SIF uh, because I was so, you know, this show was gearing up for that event, which I can no longer attend now. And, uh, and you're not going because you're not going to sit in that auditorium. And, I, I, I could not, I cannot sit in that auditorium. Like I'm physically incapable of sitting <laughs> in that auditorium for 13 and a half hours. And it's, it's one thing like if they were, if they had like decent sized intermissions, but there's only three intermissions in the whole 13 hour show. And, uh, I think they're only 15 minutes. Long only 15 each. minutes. Yeah. When we saw, so we saw Satan tango together with yeah. Ryland, uh, years and years ago at the Northwest film farm, which is also not the most comfortable seating arrangement, but that film is half the length. It's seven right. and a half. Hours. And it had a full hour of intermission. Yes. Within its running time. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was manageable. Yeah, that was that was fine. Uh, so I don't know what the hell's going on over there at SIF. Um, I know you blame uh, some of your other colleagues for the for the change. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm peeved. I'm saddened. Uh, but anyway, that will not deter me from having a good show this week. Uh, we are talking about Jacques Rivette, but we're going to talk about uh, Norwah, which is a pirate film. Hence the pirate theme. Right. Uh, from 1976, uh, starring Geraldine Chaplin. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll get into that shortly here. Um, we'll also talk about uh, the silent film The Black Pirate from 1926, starring Douglas Fairbanks. Uh, woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> uh, and we'll be picking uh, our essential pirate films and talking about Errol Flynn, who is one of cinema, cinema's, you know, uh, true swashbucklers, one of the biggest names in uh, pirate entertainment. <laughs> and so, I, I, I just realized that that Geraldine Chaplin's father was friends with Douglas Fairbanks. They they started a, a studio like a, together. Yeah, there's a familial connection there. That's right. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. It's all coming together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a, a whole bunch of pirate stuff going on this week on the show, uh, and we will. Besides what you heard at the beginning, there will be no. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean talk for the next 90 minutes on this show. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, uh, you want to just dive into this? You want to talk about this rivet? Yeah, let's uh, listen to some sound from Norwa. In truth, it is true. But let this talk glide. It is a blood to earth, though hell gaped loud. Ladies know Lucifer fell. Yet still I'm proud.
suffering heaven. Thy invisible finger, even at this instant, turn the precious side of both my eyeballs inward. I deceive myself. Why does not heaven turn black with a frown under the world? Why does not earth start up and strike the sins that kill it? Okay, so that's a clip from Norwa, a 1976 film from Jacques Rivette. Uh, it was the second film in what was supposed to be a four-film series. Um, of, this followed uh, Duel, uh, which I have not seen. I, I think you saw it earlier this week, Sean. Um, yeah. And anyway, this this film, each one is supposed to be kind of a bit a, a bit of a deconstruction of like genre pictures and kind of seen through the eyes of someone like Jacques Rivette. Um, and so this is the pirate film and Geraldine Chaplin uh, plays a woman whose uh, brother at the beginning of the film has been killed by this band of pirates and she plans revenge uh, along with her friend uh, who are, they're going to, their plan is to infiltrate this uh, pirate uh, abode and uh, she, she will propose as a, uh, a bodyguard and then uh, kill those that uh, were responsible for the death of her, uh, her brother. And the film actually, you know, if you describe it to someone, it hits a lot of the beats of a typical pirate film. Uh, and by typical pirate film, you'll be hearing a discussion of that later in the show with the Black Pirate. Uh, and a lot of the same elements take place in this movie. I mean, there is a, a siege, you know, they take over a ship. Uh, there's a scene of, you know, sword fighting, um, you know, all kinds of things that you would expect from a pirate film take place in this movie, but you would never mistake this for anything but something from Jacques Rivette. Um, this movie is very French. It's very 1970s <laughs> and it's very cool. Uh, I, I think we can agree on all three of those things, right, John? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I here's my. I really enjoyed this movie for a long, long stretch of it. Um, I I loved Jacques Rivette's playfulness, um, which is something that is is kind of. I, I guess that might be considered his house style. There's a playfulness to Jacques Rivette that. I don't. I can't even think of another director that kind of captures that essence so well um, in his films, where where there's just kind of a devil may care, you know, giddy kind of let's let's see what we can pull off here, and, and everybody seems to be game um, on both sides of the camera, um, and it's infectious. Like I was I was humming along with this thing for uh, for quite a long stretch of it. Did you have a similar reaction? Yes, uh, I think uh, I think Rivette is is tremendously fun. Uh, 
there's a there's like a, a theatricality to everything he does and and uh just a, a disregard for the normal rules of what a film is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to behave that uh is really is really refreshing uh I can think of a few other movies that are that are like it, but I think they are all movies that are that are influenced by Rivet, like uh, like Eric Romer's uh, Percival movie or uh, Seijun Suzuki's Princess Raccoon have this have this similar kind of uh, playful vibe to them. But uh, yeah, there's it's 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 hard to for me to like pinpoint what it is that makes Rivet so unique because if you look at like the plot of his films or describe the action in any given scene it's it's completely you know generic scene it totally makes sense everybody's actions are are comprehensible in the same way that any like hollywood movie is but watching it it feels totally alien and i don't really know what it is about the films that make them seem so weird they're well, missing there are... they're missing something like intentionally so but uh, what is that thing that they're missing? I don't know if it's missing anything. It, it if I, I I just think it may be highlighting different elements or something. Like I mean, there's there's clear there's clear things that Rivette does. I mean, like for example, in here, there's this great recurring thing where the music in the film is being composed by these this trio of musicians that are in the scene, but mm-hmm. like oftentimes you don't see them uh for long stretches and you you kind of assume that it's just added to the soundtrack but then you the camera kind of pans and these guys are like huddled in a corner playing uh this you know the score is fantastic i mean it's there's some eerie stuff there's like bowing on this kind of uh double bass or cello or something like that and uh yeah i think there's stuff like that i think the score was improvised in like on the set um, I mean, it looks like it, it sounds like it. Um, yeah, but... in the manner of like like uh, Neil Young's Deadwood or Dead Man score. Yeah, uh, Duell does the same thing. It has it. it uh, you'll you'll have a scene that has a score, and then uh, the light will shift, and you'll see that in like this corner of the frame that was in shadow, there's actually like three guys playing music, or somebody like at a piano, playing the score for the film. Yeah. So there there are elements like that which. Uh... Obviously, you wouldn't get in a, tra- a, a traditional pirate film or a genre film or something like that. Um, and then there's, you know, in, at the end of this movie, there's a lot of uh, kind of filters used on the camera and, and uh, saturating of the of the image. Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking about like like that so much as just kind of like the rhythm of the film and, and the dialogue and the interchanges between people. There's like there's more empty space, even though. You know what what uh, Geraldine Chaplin's plan is going to be like. It it all makes sense generically, but it it seems like you know any given action at the time that you're watching it is somewhat inexplicable. Yeah, no, I I, I can see that. Yeah, um, and Geraldine Chaplin here, by the way, uh, deserves that woohoo that you gave during the intro. Um, she is committed to this thing a hundred percent, and. Uh, she's great in it. I mean, she's, she, she's called on to do a few different things here. You know, sometimes she needs to be this stoic kind of business, like assassin. Mm -hmm. Uh, and sometimes she needs to, uh, be intoning these, you know, 
in English, uh, this kind of round robin of soliloquies that's going on. Yeah, uh, the the film is based on a on a seventeenth century play, so it's 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 Shakespearean in its in its kind of plot and in its language, um, at least for those English language parts. It's a yeah, I'm interested. It's an English to see- play. I'm interested to see if like, because obviously the translated dialogue that's in the subtitles for this, so the, the French that's being translated in English is very straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm assuming that the English and, and the reason they're switching to English in these scenes is, is, um, you know, that is the, the moments of theatricality, at least in terms of the dialogue and stuff. And then everything else is more straightforward. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think those scenes work really, really well. And, and, yeah, it all and comes well, it's a, uh, there's uh, there's a soliloquy in there that that there's like a whole scene that seems like it's lifted like right from Hamlet. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm curious how exact an adaptation it is of the of the original play, and if the original play is is that influenced by Shakespeare, or if it's something that Rivet added. I'm guessing it's in the play to begin with. Yeah, I have I haven't the faintest, so I can't I can't yeah. make a make a judgment call on that. But um, but yeah, I mean I I don't know if the if the French is as archaic as the English is. Yeah, I I kind of doubt it because it seems that there's a lot more words in the the English speeches than there are. In I, the yeah, French I agree. Speeches. Yeah, I agree. Um, I. It, it seems much more straightforward when the, I mean, and, and, and when it's in French, it's, 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 it's dialogue that's kind of meant to move the, the plot forward and instead of these kind of digressions and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, what I, what I also love about this film, and, and I said this at the beginning was, um, you know, the seventies are, are, are such a unique period of time, but particularly in Jacques Rivette films, like the seventies Jacques, in Jacques Rivette films, the seventies actually seem kind of cool. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really seem cool when you're watching an American film from the seventies. It's pretty, pretty lame. There's a lot of browns and you know. It, but there's this, there's a, a shot in this movie. Well, there's several shots in this movie, but there's there's a shot in this movie um, when they're taking the, um, they're they're seizing this other ship, this you know merchant marine ship or something, uh, and. The villain Bernadette Lafont uh, is standing there in a purple leather outfit, like bell bottoms, uh, holding a Tommy gun. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I just want to take a, a screenshot and frame that, and just be like, only Jacques Rivette could pull that off and make it totally awesome. But it's like super great. Yeah, it's great because like like half the film is period appropriate and half is not, and it's just, he's just like pulling from whatever is convenient to get like the point across of the yeah. story he's trying to tell. Like, you know, some people wear, you know, 17th century costumes and some people are wearing like high heels and leather pants. Right. It's really, it's really it, cool. It's really awesome. Uh, yeah, I got, uh, I got a weird, uh, vibe from Geraldine Chaplin, especially in the beginning to this film. And I'm wondering if, uh, if, uh, JJ Abrams copied her look in this for Daisy Ridley in, uh, force awakens. No, that didn't happen. 
Because in the beginning, no. she's where she's got the ponytail <laughs> no. and she's got the, the the bandages around her wrists. I think. Uh, no, no. I think Geraldine Chaplin no. is the uh, no. the Daisy Ridley that, template that's, here. That's the stretch. That is that's no. JJ no. Abrams has never seen a Jacques Rivet film. Hey, that if is. in if in the next film, Daisy Ridley is wearing this like purple, purple blue uh, <laughs> tunic that like sh- shimmers. Oh yeah, light. that outfit's awesome too. Yeah, that's what she wears for the like the majority of the film. If Daisy Ridley's wearing something like that, I'm, I'm, people need to look further at the connections between Star Wars and Jacques Rivette. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a stretch, my friend. Hmm. <laughs> I usually follow follow you down a rabbit hole, but not um, yeah, this... I, I I I uh, I love Geraldine Chaplin in this, and I I remember we we talked about her in in Doctor Zhivago. She was one of my favorite parts of of that movie even though she didn't get much to do so it was really cool seeing her at the center of the film and now i kind of want to watch like all of the geraldine chaplin films yeah she's really great and uh she was obviously um she was a minor part but uh, uh, a very crucial element to uh guy man's the forbidden room this year um mm-hmm. as well uh and her presence in that is great where she's just once again, like she is here, she she seems like she's game for anything, you mm-hmm. know. Um, there, there's a moment in this movie, and this is where I draw a parallel. Uh, her brother's name is Shane, and uh, she has this vision that he's still alive uh, in the middle of the film, and she breaks down, and she's she's on this kind of uh, seaside cliff. And she's on the ground and she's screaming, Shane, like over and over and over again. And I couldn't help but think of the Western, sure. uh, you know, and I'm wondering if that was an intentional, you know, <laughs> if that was thrown in I'm, uh, on Rivette's cert- part. I'm certain it was. I mean, that's, it's not a French name and I, I doubt it was in a, any Jacobean dramas. So. Yeah. And it's uh, and it was actually hilarious because that's, you know. I, I don't like Shane because of all that Shaneness, all mm-hmm. the screaming of Shane by the little boy Joey. But uh, but here I was like, that's dope. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I do want to say uh, there there was a stretch of this movie where I was there's like an hour where I thought this thing was perfect. I was like I was in it like like Errol Flynn. I was in like Flynn. I was just like, this is great. I was I was so into it. Unfortunately, I don't think the movie sustains that all the way through i i i have to admit i was a little bored by the last i don't know 30 minutes of this movie where you kind of just want her to enact her plan it seems like the it, it's kind of run it's kind of run out of steam a little bit before the actual finale um I, I just it started to get a little tedious for me, which is which is uh, I was I was very sad to say that that came about, but uh, I was I was kind of like okay, let's wrap it up here, you know. We uh, it because she, she keeps making these att- there are these attempts on the life of uh, the villain uh, Julia, uh, and it's just, it just it goes to that one too many times, and then it adds this element of this one pirate who who wants to find the treasure and stuff and which is fine and well and good and stuff but uh it just seems to lose a little bit of its focus in my opinion in the last like half hour and that's why i i, I didn't give this as high of a uh, score as i uh, would have liked as going into it because i was really humming with it uh, in the beginning um yeah i can see that i i was kind of on the on the same level like all the way through like 
it didn't really have any momentum problems for me. I liked, I really liked the final uh, action scenes, if you can, if you can call them that. Like the, they do like a rehearsal for a sword fight, and then the guys will will actually sword fight, or the ways that uh, like Geraldine Chaplin like finally like you know sneaks into the castle and starts killing people are are really cool and yeah i just the, it, the movie ends with this um it's almost like a solstice kind of party uh we we forgot to mention that uh julia the villain is also some sort of like supernatural sun god or something like that like she has she has some supernatural abilities to her, but um, that, that's that's kind of like a an outgrowth of of Duel, which is about like this fight between the goddess of the sun and the goddess of the moon, and it it plays out as like a film noir. Mm. So there there are like elements of that struggle seeping in here. Like this is part of a, a four part series, and they're all supposed to be kind of parallel stories. So. Yeah, well, for me, I, I really, I agree with you. I really liked the 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 actual. I guess I'll use the word duel of of the finale, uh, where they finally the two characters uh, face off against each other, and uh, that's great. But the uh, the 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 slow dancing that, like scenes that happened before that with the. Uh, all the pirates on the top of this castle for this solstice kind of shindig. I was like, okay, you know, this, this is a little ponderous guys. Come on. I don't need to see you doing Tai Chi and bell bottoms here. Uh, in the moonlight. <laughs> nah, see, I, see, I like that. And like, uh, and too much. They're playing like, uh, like they figured out that, that, that chaplain is like, uh, is betraying them, but she doesn't know that. So they're playing like a, like a blind man's bluff game with her. And then it turns out that, yeah, that she's like unmasked. It's, it's all very cool. It's fun. Yeah. I like, uh, I, I like that stuff. All right. I, I, Hey, and I was, I, I trust me, I can handle slow. I can handle ponderous. And there's a lot of moments before this that are like that, that are transfixing. But I felt like in, in the end, it was a little too much or too little. Um, for the finale, but anyway, that's I don't know. Like my, my my complaint with it more is just it's it's almost too much a Jacobean revenge drama, which is like it's it's its greatest strength and it's also kind of its its weaknesses. It's not as it's not as crazy as Celine and Julie or or uh, La Pontenor or um, or Duel. Like it's it's more conventional. <laughs> If you right. can call a Jacques film conventional, I don't know, and that and that's why I was I, I wasn't quite as taken with it as with those other films, but it wasn't like a, a momentum problem for me. Well, I don't think it's a yeah. I mean, momentum can mean a couple of different things. Yeah, I feel like I feel like its story uh, died on the vine a little, you know, um, before the movie actually ended. Is my is my right. Like it, it ran yeah. out of narrative steam before it right, right. gets to the climax. Right. Um, but it's good. I mean, I, I enjoyed it on the whole. Yeah. And um, and it, like I said, great performances and it, and it looks really cool. And I love them running around this, you know, giant castle, um, all these like little rooms and, uh, you know, darkly lit corridors and stuff like that. So um, it's cool. But yeah, but like uh, Selena and Julie go boating is like almost 
twice as long as this practically it's it's over three hours at least um and that movie gosh you want it now you want that movie to be twice as long as it is i mean it's just there's so much going on in it and it's so well it it contains like three or four different movies within it yeah um whereas this is just one story for for two and a half hours right so so anyway but it's good Anyway, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to listen to pirate music all through the show today. Because, um, duh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to listen to probably the quintessential pirate song right now. If, if Yo-Ho is not the one now in this Disney age that we live in. But, Yo-Ho uh, is not. <laughs> um, but this is from uh, Three Penny Opera. Uh, and this is the original or, you know. This is in the original German. Uh, This is Pirate Jenny. Lied eines kleinen Abwaschmädchens in einer Vierpenny-Kneipe, genannt Jenny, die Seeräuberbraut. Meine Herren, heute sehen Sie mich gläsern abwaschen und ich mache das Bett für jeden. Und Sie geben mir einen Penny und ich bedanke mich schnell. Und Sie sehen meine Lumpen und das lumpige Hotel. Und Sie wissen nicht, mit wem Sie reden. Und Sie wissen nicht, mit wem Sie reden. Aber eines Tages wird ein Geschrei seinem Rasen. Und man fragt, was ist das für ein Geschrei? Und man wird sich lächeln sehen bei meinen Gläsern. Und man fragt, was lächelt sie dabei? Und ein Schiff mit acht. Und mit 50 Kanonen wird liegen am Kai. Meine Herren, da wird wohl ihr Lachen aufhören, denn die Mauern werden fallen hin. Und am dritten Tag ist die Stadt im Erdboden gleich, nur ein lumpiges Hotel wird verschont von jedem Streit. Und man fragt, wer wohnt besonderer darin? Und man fragt, wer wohnt besonderer darin? Und in dieser Nacht wird ein Geschrei um das Hotel sein und man fragt, warum wird das Hotel verschont? Und man sieht sich treten aus der Tür gegen Morgen und man fragt, wie hat darin gewohnt? Und ein Schiff mit acht Segeln und mit fünfzig Kanonen wird beschießen die Stadt. Und es werden kommen hundert gegen Mittag an Land und werden in den Schatten treten und fangen einen jeglichen vor jeglicher Tür und legen in Ketten und bringen vor mir und mich fragen, welchen sollen wir töten und mich fragen, welchen sollen wir töten. Und an diesem Mittag wird es still sein am Hafen, wenn man fragt, wer wohl sterben muss. Und da werden sie mich sagen hören, alle. Und wenn dann der Kopf fällt, sage ich, hoppla. Und ein Kanonen wird den 
I feel like uh, we like barely talked about that movie because it's it's so hard to talk about. <laughs> there were a lot of awkward pauses in there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know how to talk about Jacques Rivet. <laughs> Get so, Ryland on here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, then and that's the thing. I don't. I don't know that anyone really knows how to talk about Jacques Rivet because everything I've read on him is like really hard to read. Very so, obtuse. It's very yeah. obtuse. Yeah. So let's talk about something that's uh, easier to talk about. Let's talk about Errol Flynn. Oh, that was your segue. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> See how I did that? Yeah, I didn't even know we were back from the break then. I know, it's, oh, I'm, man. I'm sneaky. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah, Errol Flynn is our person of the week uh, because he, uh, well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, he made his his debut. The movie that put him on the map was Captain Blood, which uh, is a pirate film. Yeah, well, it wasn't his debut, but... But it was the, it was the it film was the that first, like, started his, yeah, yeah. his Hollywood career was... Uh, his first starring Hollywood role yeah. uh, is is Captain Blood, um, and it, yeah, it like launched a, a whole series of of swashbucklers that he did with uh, with Michael Curtiz and Olivia De Havilland and, and Basil Rathbone. Yes, um, and uh, yeah, and he's one of the preeminent uh, kind of rogues, scallywags, scoundrels, uh, both on and off screen. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and you and I were talking before the show when we were deciding who to do as our person. Uh, you've seen a ton of Errol Flynn films, um, but you haven't read his uh, autobiography, My Wicked Wicked Ways. Um, I'm the opposite. I've seen, I've seen a few. I've seen a few. I mean, I've seen obviously. I've seen Captain Blood, Adventures of Robin Hood. Uh, I've seen most of the Dawn Patrol. It was kind of boring, so I <laughs> kind of checked out on that one at one point. Uh, uh, you want you want to see the original. I know, the I know. Hawks one. And, yeah. and I was in, here's what happened. I was in a motel room in, I think Vancouver, Canada. And I, and I saw that they had TCM and I was like, and it said Dawn Patrol was on or coming on. And I was like, Oh, what Dawn Patrol? And it was like, you know, super late, you know? So I was all excited, but then I didn't realize it was the 1938 version and not the Howard Hawks one. And so I started watching it. I was like, God, this is kind of lame. Anyway, uh, but Errol Flynn. So he's undeniably, uh, charismatic on screen. Uh, you know, his Robin Hood is one for the ages. I mean, just a, a thousand watt Technicolor smile and, uh, you know, he, yeah, you, it's, you, it's you the, tell he's having the, a blast. Yeah, it's the definitive swashbuckler performance. Yeah, and uh, and he's, he's yeah, he's it's a, it's a role he's kind of born to play in a way. Um, and, and I like him. I mean, you know, he's, he's not, you know, from what I've seen, obviously, um, he, he's someone that was really good at a certain type of thing mm -hmm. and that's great. And, you know, you're not going to expect him to branch out and do anything that was, uh, too outside of that comfort zone. Uh, it, it, you know, he's, his, his range is not that great, but, uh, but being able to do what he does is, is really fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he, he went into a little bit darker territory in, in the 1940s when uh, he started a, a long collaboration with, with Raoul Walsh. Um, and they, and, they, and uh, Walsh is, uh, 
you know, is a very different director than than Michael Curtiz, and uh, and used Flynn more creatively. I think. Um, I think. I think those movies are not as well. Obviously, they're not as fun. They're. I don't think they're as as popular now as as the Curtiz ones. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are there are some nuances to him as an actor, but. You know what? What you love about him is is that Robin Hood character, is the the kind of happy-go-lucky swashbuckler adventure guy right. that makes you know action movies fun, which uh, is is something that that uh, it tends to go out of style in Hollywood. It seems like are there are there really fun action movie stars out there right now? They they always seem so serious to me. Yeah, that well, that's absolutely. Uh, I was actually thinking. Well, one of the main things was I don't want to start talking about the Revenant again, but, right? <laughs> but the Revenant is so self serious when, in fact, the movie it should be is is a dumb kind of, and in in the best sense of the term. Yeah, well, that's a filmmaker who doesn't have the courage to make a genre film like he. Well, yeah, absolutely, but yeah. also you know Leonardo DiCaprio should also be a star that you know, should be maybe trying to do, he's got charisma. We've mm-hmm. seen it. He should be applying it to something like that. Um, yeah. Because I think that's a worthwhile, you know, thing to do, but yes. Anyway, but yeah, nowadays you don't get someone and, and we'll talk about it too. When we talk about uh, the black pirate here, like Douglas Fairbanks too is. Uh, right. Well, I mean, he, he's the other one. It's, it's, yeah. it's Fairbanks and, and Flynn. And, you know, you get it like occasionally, like, uh, Maybe like the uh, uh, in the in the eighties with like the the Lethal Weapon movies or or Die Hard. There's there's some kind of fun in those, but those are also like really dark movies. They're really violent and really bloody, yeah. and in in a way that you know the Seahawk, the uh, the Errol Flynn version is is not. Right. You you you, you can watch. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say uh, Errol Flynn's type of movies are are more juvenile than something like that. But but you can but you can sit down and watch The Adventures of Robin Hood with a kid that's five years old, and you'll both have a blast. Whereas, you know, some of us may show a five year old Die Hard, but it's probably <laughs> it's it's not designed for that. I guess is it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely agree. Um, and even the movies that are goofier, like let's think of something like Crank or something like that, um, yeah, it's which like is a, a very it's, goofy movie. But the it's, main a, it's a really black goofiness. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we could uh, definitely use some more uh, fun, love and swashbuckling. Yeah. And there's like some and or it's or it's really self-conscious kind of winking humor, which is right. which is different than than just enjoying adventure. Right, which which is what uh, Errol Flynn puts across on screen. Like he here's this this guy who is incredibly handsome and athletic and is enjoying being both of those things. Yes, and yeah, yeah. we we tend to to punish our stars for for being such nowadays. You put the rock in something like Pain and Gain. <laughs> uh, how excited are you for your uh, Benghazi Michael Bay movie? I'm pretty excited. <laughs> gonna it's gonna be a weird like three days i have i have big and uh and the charlie kaufman movie in like 
on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a hell of a week there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, um, I read My Wicked Wicked Ways um, uh, a while ago. I remember reading it on an airplane going somewhere. And uh, all my Errol Flynn memories are traveling. I just realized this. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, it's one of those... Uh, kind of seminal Hollywood. It's, it's, it's supposed to be one of these Hollywood exposés. It's very famous for its, its candid nature and it, and it's supposed to be very scandalous and stuff. And it's a very fun book. Um, it's not, I think I went into it expecting more, uh, more salacious things going on in it than, than what actually happens. Um, it's, it's an, I'm sure when it came out, uh, shortly after his death, um, 50, 60 years ago, I'm sure it was a lot more, you know, um, blush worthy, uh, than it is nowadays where a lot, yeah, it's still, there, there's still some crazy stuff going on, but it's definitely tamer than I expected. But, uh, but he does manage to translate along with the, the ghostwriter who, who wrote it with him, uh, that kind of ease, um, of character in, into that book. And, uh, I think one of the funniest things about that book is, um, the expression in like Flynn, which we were uh, using earlier in the show, mm-hmm. uh, he really he he was pressing his uh, publisher to name the book in like me. Which I think <laughs> <is pretty laughs> uh, that would be pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So um, you know, Errol, Errol Flynn as an actor and, and a star, great. You know, his personal life, you know, there was some issues there. You know, yeah, uh, not not much of a stand up guy. No, no, kind of sleeping with underage uh, yeah. females and stuff like that. But anyway, but uh, a, a true bona fide movie star. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so moving on from him to our, obviously, the, the genre of the week is the pirate film. And uh, we're going to pick our essentials uh, right now. <laughs> and I actually did think of Captain Blood. It was one of the first things that came to my mind Um when I thought of a, of a pirate film, because it, it does have all those elements um, that you expect. There's great sword fighting going on in it. And Basil Rathbone is fantastic and uh, just bigger than life kind of uh, situation. But uh, I did not pick that one. Uh, I, I feel like I, I feel kind of cheap, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the Princess Bride is a movie that you could probably pick every week for something for essentials, <laughs> uh, because it 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 encompasses so much within it. But uh, I just I couldn't deny the Princess Bride because it may be the first pirate movie I ever saw. Well, besides like Disney's Peter Pan or something like that, but like um, William Goldman manages to make. What we were just talking about, you know, what, literally what we were just talking about, where um, you're trying to make a contemporary film that's engaging to audiences, quote unquote, more sophisticated film going audiences um, that manages to like that movie manages to have its cake and eat it to and eat it too, because that that movie's so much fun and and um, it's thrilling and uh, hilarious and just um perfectly conceived um and the pirate elements in it are just so damn fun uh carrie always obviously playing the dread pirate roberts and there's christopher guest is the villain and 
Inigo Montoya. I mean, it's just great. So I, I don't think there's anything I, I need to say about The Princess Bride, but I don't think I've ever actually picked it for an essential. So I, I just did it. Okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's a great film. It's it's a pirate film. It's it's totally fair. You think it's disqualified? No, no. I, I it's it's totally fair. It's just you know, it's the Princess Bride. Everybody's seen the Princess Bride. Yeah, because it's essential. It is essential. Get get off your high horse there. Remember, your wife wrote something about the Princess Bride. I made your wife do homework mm-hmm. <laughs> like 10 years ago yeah it's it's her favorite movie it's, yeah yeah it's good so, the book's better the book is really good yeah. i do really like the book it is really good um so what is your pick for the essential pirate film uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go with uh it, this is hard because there's there's a lot of really interesting pirate films i think it's a really under under uh examined genre from from classical hollywood um I'm tempted to go with the silent version of the Seahawk, which is uh, which is based on the novel and is uh, entirely different from the Errol Flynn version, which has the same title but is not based on the book. But I don't remember it well enough. Um, when uh, when our daughter was born, uh, we weren't sleeping much, and so what we would do is we'd like take shifts in being awake. And so what I would do is. Uh, We'd all just sit on the couch, the three of us, and I'd watch silent movies while my wife slept, and I could like turn the sound down really low. And the uh, the silent version of the Seahawk was one of the movies I watched then. But because I was like baby brain, yeah, uh, I don't really remember it well, but I remember it being like amazing. Mm. Uh, so I I I want to I almost uh, suggested we rewatch that instead of uh, the Black Pirate, but. Uh, Instead, uh, I'm going to pick Anne of the Indies, which is by Jacques Tenor, who I don't think is any relation to Cyril Tenor, who is who may have written the play that uh, Norwa is based on. Oh. But uh, uh, Anne of the Indies is a, is a pirate movie. It stars Gene uh, uh, Peters, uh, and it's uh, it's kind of the pirate Johnny Guitar. Except if the Mercedes McCambridge her- uh, character was the hero, if that makes sense, it does make sense. And uh, she's uh, she's a pirate. Uh, she falls in love with uh, with Louis Jordan, uh, who uh, it turns out is a spy for the British Navy. So, uh, feeling betrayed by him, she kidnaps his wife and tries to sell her into slavery. Uh, and then she abandons them on a deserted island. Uh, and then Herbert Marshall, who is like fat and drunk, talks her out of it. And then Blackbeard shows up and everything like descends into chaos. So it's like, it's, it's the pirate and she's a woman and she's driven like this insane over by this insane jealousy. And it's very much this conflict between the two women with the men kind of being shunted to the side in the same way that Johnny Guitar is. And it's Jacques Tenor. Uh, every uh, you you saw this uh, like a year or two ago, two years ago, I think. Yeah, a year, uh, year and, and a half ago. Yeah, and e- ever since you you saw it, I've been really intrigued by it, and it's I added it to my watch list right away, and I really want to get around to it because it does sound right up my alley, and I'm uh, I, I'm now foaming at the mouth 
<laughs> to see yeah. it. I, I really do want to check that one out. And I enjoyed, I, I really did enjoy um, doing pirate movies this week because it is a genre that um, I haven't seen too much in and uh and i find them fun yeah they're cool you know Art movies are 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 really neat yeah i don't know i think uh there needs there need i'm i'm sure that there is like a an academic study of the pirate film out there somewhere i just haven't come across it yeah but uh i would be interested in reading it it'll be the first george sanders book yeah uh the the other one i was tempted to pick was the uh the sammo hung uh, Jackie Chan, Wen Biao, Project A, pirate film where Jackie mm-hmm. Chan is like in the in the Coast Guard, and they fight pirates. That's a fun one. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of of people who convey like the the fun in action movies, that would be right. Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Cool. Uh, well. Uh... Let's move uh, the show along, and, and are we going to actually listen to a clip? What are we going to do here? It's a silent movie. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we'll just listen to, like, 90 seconds of a blank sound. <laughs> I don't know. The version I had of this had, like, a live, was on YouTube, and it was, like, a live score that some band did at a theater in San Francisco or something. Oh, yeah? Was it good? Uh, I mean, it was fine. Because mine was silent. I also got it off of YouTube uh, and I started watching it just silent and I was like, yeah, I can't do this. So then I, I threw some uh, uh, ragtime on uh, Pandora, which synced up fairly well. I mean, a couple songs I skipped because it clearly didn't fit. But then, you know, every third song, there was like a subway ad. So then I had to like pause the, pause the movie or turn down the sound uh, for little stretches here and there. So um here, I will act out. Here's this is what will happen. This is going to be me acting out the the Black Pirate as the uh, intro to the Black Pirate. Okay. Okay. All right. Wait, no, because you you need to set this one up. So why would I do that? You you do it. You you be Douglas Fairbanks. Okay, I am I am <laughs> I am being Douglas Fairbanks. <laughs> are you are you like? <laughs> I mean, I picture you right now, like pretend, like having a fake sword in your hand, like on the other side of the the the, the monitor over there, and you <laughs> you're just like kind of swashbuckling in the air. Um, nope, I but... I have I have my hands on my hips and a big smile on my face. <laughs> that is my Douglas Fairbanks. All right. Well, I think that I think that'll suffice as the intro. Okay. To, uh, to the black... <laughs> All right, so so the Black Pirate, uh, Douglas Fairbanks, uh, came out in 1926. Uh, it's it's probably most notable now for as a, an early Technicolor film, two tone Technicolor. Yeah, two two strip Technicolor as opposed to the three strip that uh, we're more familiar with with stuff like Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, um, and and so on. Uh, but it is like uh, it is. It is a, the pirate movie. Like if you if you like made a list of everything that uh, people like to see in pirate movies, uh, this has each one of those things in it, and it it sets that up right from the beginning. Like there's like, there's an opening title card. It's like the first title card is like you know like the time of pirates, 
these are all the things that happen with pirates. And then it's like a checklist, like the movie goes through every single plot point or, or character type or situation that you would expect to see in a pirate movie. Somebody walks the plank, there's buried treasure, uh, uh, you know. Damsel in distress. There's the damsel in distress with the romance. There's uh, there's big action sequences. There's there's no parrots, but there is a monkey. There's a monkey. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is. It's uh, it's it's you know you want you want to criticize it for being generic, but it's so clearly attempting to be like the Ur pirate film. Yes. That that it's it's kind of cool. It's, I think it's great. Yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really yeah. did. Uh, it it moves along really smoothly. It gets to all those elements uh, and and does. Re- but it, but it, you know, it also does really interesting things. Like there are some really interesting things going on. Like at least visually in this movie, uh, I mean the action scenes are great. Yeah. Um, I mean they're really really good. Um, and obviously that's where Douglas Fairbanks shines because he you know what I love about Douglas Fairbanks in this movie. Um, and this is kind of his 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 style, his thing is like he is ready to go at the drop of a hat. And there's like a moment in this movie where he's supposed to I think he's jumping off of his like the rescue boat to go back to the pirate ship or whatever. And like if I could I, any other actor that was going to do this, there would be like a pause or there would be something to take in what they're about to do. And he dude just like. <laughs> He just falls off the boat. He's just ready to go. Um, so I love that. And he's just running around being banana grams, having a blast. Um, but, but yeah, it, there's all these really cool shots in this movie. I, I think the best shot and one I'm going to remember for a long time is, is in that same uh, scene at the end where they're, they're going to finally um, save the day. And he's got this crew following him underwater and it's like it's like 50 guys swimming with these cutlasses like in their in their uh sashes or whatever and they're it it's it's amazing looking and this and it, obviously like we said the the technicolor it's it's blue uh tinted blue and um it's such a surreal kind of thing that you're watching at that moment anyway i thought it was really cool yeah i i couldn't tell if that shot like the the first shot of him swimming like before the the rest of like the pirate gang swim or the the soldiers swim right. after him uh it it doesn't look like he's underwater it looks like he's like hanging from a rope and just like swimming in the air and so i wonder if like all of those guys are also hanging from ropes and they like hung like 75 extras and right. made them mime swimming uh that's another thing about this by the way is uh what i what i miss about like movies of like from this age mm-hmm. i love movies with casts of hundreds yeah. you know what i mean like it's so cool to see this pirate ship come up and there are dudes everywhere like swarm it's like ants like yeah it so looks it lo- yeah it looks like an actual an actual ship that people would would man as opposed to like a pirates of the caribbean ship which is like three people which is like which is like eight guys right Right. There are so many people in this movie. Yeah. And and the finale when they're when they're all converging, the good guys and the bad guys, and there's like a hundred people on each side, and it's just swarms of people. Like the, the it actually is I think intentionally comical at one point where 
uh, a group of pirates is being surrounded by all of these, you know, heroes, the, the mm-hmm. good guys. Um, and then from above the camera, like another platoon of good guys, like jumps into the frame. Oh, and, it's, like, it's totally intentionally comical. No, it's, it's like, it's like uh, because all, all of the pirates are very, are very individualistic. They all look different. They all have like different makeup. They're missing different limbs. All of their clothes are different. Like that's, you know, it's like a hundred distinct individuals on the ship that that have just been swarming around for the entire you know length of the film, and then the soldiers show up and they're all wearing the same thing, and and they just keep coming and it's like rats swarming onto the ship and just you know jumping down from everywhere and they're like cut to a different shot and then from some you know unknown uh, unexpected direction the uh, uh, the, you know more more pirates will just show up and it's it's really hilarious yeah it's great yeah and uh there's a there's a really cool shot right at the end of the sequence when the 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 good guys have won and uh Fairbanks is down in like the hold of the ship where he is where he has dived to to fight some pirates and uh and his men lift him up oh, that's uh, so from great. one deck to another and oh, he like goes God. up eight decks uh and it looks it looks impossible. Like I'm pretty sure they filmed it in reverse with like him being lowered because it just it looks so impossible the way he rises up. But it's it's really neat looking. It's really cool. There's a reverse shot earlier in the film. Um, so I wouldn't put it past. I can't remember what it is right now, but I remember there was a reverse shot. But yeah, uh, that that thing is awesome. It's mm-hmm. so cool looking. Um, and yeah, it, and like you said, there, there's nothing in the story that uh there's absolutely no there's no subtext there's no no subtext there's no nuance to it there's none of that stuff it is just an adventure film from start to finish Mm -hmm. uh i mean it starts literally with the pirates blowing up the ship that uh fairbanks and his family were on and, and everybody was on and he washes up on the the shore and all i mean well, it, it, it starts, starts it starts it starts really dark like there's a there's a oh, scene yeah. like the 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 uh the pirates have like tied up the crew of the ship and and uh, they've taken all of their jewelry and one of the guys who's tied up you see that he has a ring that they haven't gotten yet so he he takes a ring off and he swallows it and the pirate captain sees him so he goes over to the guy off off camera uh, and then he comes back, and his knife is all bloody, and, and he's he, got like, the ring. It off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really gross. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, uh, uh, and and then I also love, like you said, the, the personalities of the different pirates. Like you, you mm-hmm. actually get a really good feel for for who they are and stuff. And uh, there's the guy that loves blowing stuff up because he's like <laughs> the, the guy that's always like putting the gunpowder trail um, mm-hmm. to like ringing the, the captives and stuff. And I think he gets three or four opportunities in this movie to like do that. And he's like always like really into it as he's pouring this stuff out. Um, yeah. And, and also, there's uh, there's Donald Crisp as uh, the pirate, the one armed pirate who, who ends up helping Douglas Fairbanks out. That's right. Yeah. Uh, who's gr- He's fantastic. And yeah. um, he's got the, the great fi- the final shot is of him. Well, I love that the final shot is of him instead of the uh, you know fade to black on the kiss. You know, it's right. it's him. Uh, it's 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 playing off a joke from early in the film where he's trying to stay awake and he he sticks his knife into his his belt and has it resting on his chin so that if he falls asleep he'll cut himself. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's great. He's great in it. Yeah, I just 
I mean, I don't know exactly what else to say besides this is super fun and uh, it, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, this this was directed by by Albert Parker, who is somebody that I know nothing about. Yeah, I don't I don't know anything about him. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. And uh, it says that in the late 60s, he was an agent, and one of his clients was Helen Mirren. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I, know, I, I know that he directed the, the uh, John Barrymore version of Sherlock Holmes, which I haven't seen. But that is the only other movie that he's done that I've even heard of. Yeah. I mean, his filmography uh, is, uh, it ends in 1938. and. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. The the although the Knickerbocker Buckaroo sounds pretty badass. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, sure I, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt who like the uh, the auteur of this film is. It's, it's Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah, and I did a little bit of research prior to to the discussion here, and and um, I think his biographer or somebody uh, said that this was. Uh, he he never spent more time getting a film right than this one. This was the one that he uh, had a hand in uh, the most, just to, to get all of those elements right. Um, and I think part of that included like the technical aspects, like because uh, like you said, this is a very early Technicolor um, film. Um, but also, I think just the, the set pieces and and the, the action and stuff like that. Um, it's all it's all really really well done. Um, yeah, and it's it's you know it's coming kind of at the the height of his career, but it's also his career is just about to come to an end. Right, like he 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 didn't have many years left after this. Right, as a major star for for a variety of reasons. But ha have you seen any other Fairbanks? Um, I, yes, but you know it's very. It, it it was a long time. I think I've seen the uh, a Zor the Zorro. Mm -hmm. um, the Zorro's really good. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was when I was a kid. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's been a long it's been a long time. But I'm I'm eager. I'm very eager now to. I've been watching a lot of silent movies uh, lately. Um, I don't know why. Beginning of the new year, something you know something was set off in me. But uh, yeah, I I really want to watch more of uh, his stuff because. Yeah. Uh, Super fun. Uh, my favorite is uh, is also is is by Raoul Walsh. It's uh, the Thief of Baghdad. Mm, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, and that is a really cool one. That's also one of the the silent movies that I watched when uh, when we had the the newborn. So, you know, take take my recommendation with a <laughs> a grain of salt. But I, I really liked that. Well, I, I liked it more than the the more famous uh, uh, Michael Powell one. Right. The 1940 is that right yeah 1940 which which i also really like but but right. uh yeah the the 1924 raul walsh baghdad film yeah i need Good to stuff. check that out i like raul walsh i need this i need to see more uh of that stuff so yeah. yeah so uh yeah that's the black pirate it was it was fun i'm glad we did that and um I'm, I'm eager to do more silent films uh, in the future. So uh, we're going to hear some more music now. Uh, we settled on, there were a lot of options, you know, there, there are a lot of options when it comes to pirate stuff. As you pointed out, you said, well, I have a huge Tom Waits collection. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, it's, it's not, I think Tom Waits is on it. It's like a collection of people like that though. Well, but he has a lot of pirate. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Waits has many pirate songs. Yeah, he's, he's a pirate himself so um but we're actually going to listen to the pogues 
yeah. because of course we are. So sure. um, what song did we decide on? Uh, the Turkish Song of the Damned. Because, you know, pirates. Yeah. At age 19, I was kidnapped by Turkish pirates. Yeah. It all, it all, it all, it all comes together. Uh, next time on the show, uh, it'll be uh, two weeks, uh, and um, 
you're pretty excited about this. Yeah, it's uh, this is going to be a big year for for Mr. Donnie Yen. He's got uh, coming out in in just a couple of weeks is uh, Ip Man Three, which will be what the sixth film about the the kung fu master to come out in the last decade. Right. Uh, half of which star star Donnie Yen. Uh, he's got uh, and then he's got he's he's in the the Star Wars movie that comes out. Yeah, he's in, in Rogue in One. December in December in Rogue One. So this is this is the year of Donnie. And, and SPL two, right? I think Well he's he's not in SPL two. Oh he's not in SPL two. Oh, no, but sorry. but it is a sequel to a Donnie Yen film. That I gotcha. Does he die in the first one? Do we just did I just spoil it? Uh he does not die in the first one. Uh there is no relation plot, ah. plot wise between SPL and SPL two. Okay. Sorry, sorry, I, I screwed up your whole setup there. But yes, this is no, it's, 2016. No, SPL two is really good. So is SPL one. We're They're both really this... good. Oh, the other, the other big Donnie Yen film is uh, is the other sequel, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon two. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. What it is. Which um, uh, which will be directed by uh, Wen Wu Peng, and uh, he is a somebody who has frequently directed Donnie Yen. Uh, he is of course a great uh, uh, choreographer and director in his own right, and. So the next episode is is our Donnie Yen Wen Wu Ping show. Yeah, it's a first for us. Yeah, we're, we're going to do something a little different here, but uh, I think it's going to be fun. I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, so we're going to watch uh, uh, two films starring Donnie and directed by by Wen, and we're going with 1993's Iron Monkey, uh, the original Hong Kong version, not the the terrible Weinstein Weinstein. Not the terrible Weinstein version that was released in the in the early two thousands. We've we've tracked down the original. And uh, and I'd like to say, you know, we started this show with me complaining about SIF. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to reach our quotas, you know, it's been so long since we've complained about the Weinsteins that it's true. I, I feel like we were contractually obligated to do this Iron Monkey show because because <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, since we've we've had a chance to complain about the Weinstein, so and there'll make, be plenty of that next time on the show. Yes, and uh, and along with that, uh, something that you've dug up from from an obscure corner of Letterboxd, uh, a 1985 breakdancing film starring Donnie, <laughs> directed by Wen, and co-starring Wen Woping himself, That's who right. very rarely acts in movies, but. Uh, He's in this one, and it's uh, <laughs> it's called uh, what's it called? Mismatched, Mismatched couples. couples. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm really. I actually kind of fought for us to do this one because. Uh, yeah, I mean, not, that, not that it took a lot of. Uh, well, it, it was that or Blade Two. So. Um, yeah. well, we could have I, gone in a lot of different directions with with Donnie. I know, but I heard I heard break dancing, and I was like, I'm there. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that one. Um, I am curious because if you know Donnie Donnie's later career at all, a sense of humor is not a thing that he is known for. Right. Yeah. Nor right. is like a, you know the kind of emotive you know personality type acting that you would expect from a comedic star. Right. He's yeah. he's he's kind of the Keanu Reeves of of Hong Kong. Well, hey, maybe like Keanu, he he was there was more personality at the beginning of the career. You know, it's, it's possible. It's entirely possible. I, so that'll be the next time on the show. Yeah, uh, it should be. It should be a whole lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to. You and I have both seen 
the uh, Miramax cut of Iron Monkey, and um, I think are both eager to to see the uh, the original because the changes are are drastic. Yes, uh, between the two. But we'll talk about that next time on the show. Yes, um, indeed. So if you are in Hollywood, uh, the Egyptian theater, the gorgeous Egyptian theater down there in Hollywood, uh, is playing a an Akira Kurosawa kind of mini festival. It's not too much stuff. I think, I can, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven films, I think. Uh, as far as I can tell, all on 35 millimeter, uh, starting on the 15th of January. And so they're doing a double feature of Yojimbo Sanjuro. They're doing Hidden Fortress and Throne of Blood, uh, High and Low and the Bad Sleep Well. Uh, but the one, obviously, to see, if you're going to see any of them, uh, Seven Samurais playing on the 16th of January, um, all alone. Because double feature that with something would be uh, almost like a Jacques Rivette film. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, seven, I mean, go to any of them if you can. Because, good God, that sounds great. Um, it's been a while since I saw Kurosawa on the big screen and in 35 millimeters. So, I wish I was down in L.A. for that. Uh, playing right now in New York at the IFC Center is uh, a film that I believe we've talked about several times on the show, and it is Isao Takahata's Only Yesterday, which That's is right. finally getting a release in the U.S. 25 years after it was, uh, it was released. Uh, it's got a new English language version with the lead played by Daisy Ridley. That's right. Tying everything all together here. <laughs> yeah, uh, it I, is. I, uh, it is my favorite Ghibli film. I think it's it's one of the best films of the last twenty five years, and it's only now getting released in the U.S. So, go see it. I I, I am sure it will eventually be playing all over the country, and uh, I I really hope everyone goes to see it. And uh, for those like. Uh, uh, jerks who put like about ellie and uh rebels of the neon god on their end of the year list in 2015 <laughs> i expect to see only yesterday near the top of their 2016 lists yeah they better. because it is guaranteed to be one of the five or ten best films to be released in the u.s this year yeah uh i, I actually just went to g kids page like two days ago uh to see if there was a seattle date yet for that because uh I, we watched it last year on your birthday, so it's been less than a year. Um, but I'm eager to watch it again. Um, Lindy hasn't seen it, and I keep talking about it. Um, and I've been tempted to get it at Scarecrow because they have the um, foreign right. copy of it. But right. uh, but now I'm you know I'm I'm waiting for it on the big screen because it's so good. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. And they're they're playing the the subtitled version at the IFC Center. So I mean, you can go see the Dizzy Ridley version, but you really should see the Japanese version because even right. though it's a cartoon, you got to see the original language yes you yes you have to yes. so uh well that's it for us uh you can find out more about the show at the george sanders show.blogspot.com we're on twitter at geo sanders show we have an email account the george sanders show at gmail.com and we also do some writing over at seattle screen scene.com uh, it's been a while. I think the last several shows we've done special music as a as an outro. Um, but uh, George can be denied no longer, Sean. Yeah. Have you ever seen a George Sanders pirate movie? I was just going to ask you that question. I have not seen a George Sanders. He's pirate. he's been in a few. Uh, I recommend uh, the Black Swan from 1942 with uh, with Tyrone Power and Maureen O'Hara. 
based it's uh it's based on a novel by Raphael Sabatini. It has no relation to the ballet film. Right. Uh, uh, Sabatini was like is like the main author of swashbuckler films that that got adapted in Hollywood. And then he's also in. Uh, and this movie called Moonfleet, which is one of Fritz Lang's last films, that is a really cool uh, kind of uh, young boy having an adventure kind of thing with pirates and stuff. It's a really, it's a really neat film. So check out the George Sanders pirate movies. Awesome. In the meantime, we'll check out George Sanders singing us to sleep. Mm-hmm. So here he is in all his glory. Yeah. Till next time. Yeah. Yeah. Just a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers woo, they still say I love you. On that you can rely. No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of date Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have his mate That no one can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die The world